Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And a very good morning to you. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia across this week and indeed next week with Cork Today while Bernie takes your comments on 1850-333-103. Our lines are open or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 ahead on this morning's show. The coroner at the inquest into the deaths of a father and his two sons at their family farm in Canturk in October last year has urged anyone listening to the details to seek mediation for any trouble they're having. And they were the words of Dr. Michael Kennedy describing these circumstances as a terrible sequence of events and that it was hard to make sense of it all. The inquest was held yesterday at the courthouse in Mallow and our reporter Murray Tuick was at the courthouse and she will join us shortly on the programme uh, regarding that inquest uh, to Marco Sullivan, his father Tyke and his younger brother uh, Dermot. And we were speaking earlier on the breakfast show with Kin. We were previewing the programme about electric cars. A lot of people already in touch with us with their views on electric cars. We'll get to those comments across the programme. But would you consider purchasing an electric car because sales of electric cars have doubled as more people are interested in either going hybrid or going fully electric and by hybrid you have a choice of usually petrol or electric in your car or whatever you are buying SUV Uh, but we're going to chat with Brian Cook of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry on this uh, considering that electric car sales are increasing uh, what are we likely to see in the future and why are they increasing? There's a big Concern and the concern I would have is from friends of mine who've decided to go electric, trying to get a charger. If you live, if you have your, your house where you have your own driveway or you're in a housing estate with your own driveway, it isn't the biggest deal in the world. A bit of work to get the charger in, but it's all dealt with. Uh, whereas if you're in a housing estate where your parking space might be a 30 or 40 second walk away from your home, on your front door uh, that's where the problem is coming into for many uh, whereby there's no wires underneath they have to go digging up it can cause disruption to others and then if, if you get an electric car your neighbour decides to, does the whole thing have to op- happen again or do you come to some agreement uh, people living in apartment blocks are having problems because you in the majority anyhow of apartment blocks you do lease the car space you don't own it you lease it so they're 
simply saying, well, you don't own this and you can't dig through the car park and you can't dig on the wall to get this charger in because you don't own the space. And many uh, property companies, they're either just turning a blind eye or simply uh, just not progressing the way things should be into dealing with the situation. So people are finding it tough to uh, get uh, chargers installed depending on where you're living. And I see a few texts from people saying they probably won't be able to get a charger because they live in rural areas. I would think if you live in a rural area, it should be easier because you will have your own driveway and more space. It seems to be those who are living in housing estates and urban areas could have problems getting those just on the evidence that we have seen and I have come across over the last year or so. But I'd be interested to know if you would be interested in buying an electric car. If you're thinking of changing in the next few years, will you go fully electric or go hybrid? What's your view on that? Love to hear your thoughts. 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And concerns on the operation waiting list that they continue. And this is for all age groups, but uh, the advocate for the elderly here in Cork, Paddy O'Brien, he's really concerned because so many operations have been cancelled, especially last year during the height of the pandemic. And again, over the last six months, people have been told you are now back on the waiting list. They've got letters telling them they are back on the waiting list. And some now have got letters in fairness saying, you know, you, you were on the waiting lists. Do you want to remain on the waiting list or do you want to be taken off? Uh, but people are still waiting two, three or four years for operations like knee replacement, hip replacement, cataracts. We're going to speak with Paddy on that later in the show. And also on the programme this morning, this is something that is concerning a lot of people and I think people who run hotels and restaurants are concerned over this and are just confused. Uh, the government, they have made an astonishing decision to give the green light now to outdoor parties of up to 200 people. And this is amid confusion over the Tawnish Delhi of Radcliffe's attendance at a party organised by the former minister, Catherine Sapone. Now, we dealt with this yesterday on the show and there was mixed views on this, but the shock announcement of these changes came uh, just an hour after Ms. Sapone said that she was not going to take up this post that she was given, the special invite for freedom and expression uh, post. Uh, this was after a week of controversy over Fina Gale, who were attempting to appoint her to this. And then the former children's minister, uh, she was criticised over the role itself and the, the legitimacy of that role and how it all came about. Uh, but then when it goes back to what happens with the outdoor event, another significant development took place, whereby the Attorney General Paul Gallagher who issued legal advice to the government which opens the door for people now to hold massive outdoor parties within COVID guidelines. He gave uh, this permission. That means that hotels, pubs and restaurants can now host private parties for up to 200 people outdoors This is all despite concern among health officials over the Delta variant of COVID. And it also means that people who were looking and wanting to have birthday parties or other significant celebrations and they could not do so. They were told, you know, you can't have a large crowd in our beer garden. Everybody has to be seated and stick to a table and all of that. They now can book those celebrations and book out entire beer gardens or outdoor areas for their guests because the Attorney General's advice it seems to directly contradict Falter Ireland. I mean, they have said in their guidelines that organised events were prohibited in hotels, restaurants and pubs and that customers are barred from booking multiple tables. And we heard that yesterday on the show. Uh, but it's all changed because certain people attended this event in Dublin 
and again you know we had a few calls yesterday one stands out from a lady who said uh, that this just smacks of they can do it we can't do it and why everybody is trying to do their best within the guidelines it's happened again and it just shows as that lady said to me yesterday that people in a position of power like Antonisha like Catherine Sapone you would think they would know better to go and organise something like this anyway. What's the rush to have a celebration? Why did they even need uh, that amount of people? Why were they holding this celebration or whatever they were holding or whatever she was doing? Uh, was there a need for it? I mean, should they have more cop on considering what is happening across the country, considering all the guidelines, all the restrictions we have all faced over the last nearly two years at this stage? And yet they thought it was a good idea to have a hoolie outdoors in the back of a hotel? I mean, if you stop and think about it, where that, who thought that was a good idea? I mean, none of us are planning major celebrations because we know of the restrictions. Anybody who has been looking to do something for family members or for loved ones have always said we'll have to hold off for two years or more, you know, after everything is over, maybe next year, and we'll see, can we do something? Then we'll have a, a quite family meal with four or five of us at home, uh, those living in the household. Uh, weddings, we spoke yesterday to Wayne O'Donnell and best of luck to himself and Jackie today, Wayne from Mallow, who his wedding was delayed and delayed and delayed. But yes, people in power think it's okay to go on and have a party. Uh, you just wonder where they come up with these things in their minds considering they're the ones who are making the laws and then uh, outside of that uh, and uh, again I fall to Ireland by the way they are going to uh, go now and chat to the government because they need to revise the guidelines for outdoor hospitality because hoteliers now across the country are going uh, can we do this can we not do this they said it's okay we've told people it's not okay uh, so massive confusion uh, but interesting enough in the Irish Daily Mail today Catherine Sapone uh, they're reporting one of their reporters uh, did to make a call to her in New York. Uh, this was Daniel Bates, who must be based on New York for the Daily Mail. And uh, they're saying that Catherine Sapone became very angry and she refused to comment to the whole scan- scandal that is going on at the moment and plaguing her because this reporter went along and approached her at her home in New York yesterday. And basically, he was told that this was her private residence. Put my doorman back on so he can escort you off the premises. It's an upmarket apartment that she... Uh, rinse, I think, anyhow, in Manhattan. Uh, but when he decided to continue to question her again, uh, she said, put my doorman back on. She wasn't entertaining that reporter at her door of her apartment in Manhattan in New York yesterday. Uh, so it rolls on. And is this our golf gate, as I said, for 2021? And, you know, the, the, the deep, the, the knocks of this really is that why did they go ahead and organise something like this when they knew it would cause problems, when they knew no one else was allowed to do it? So why were they? Anyhow, your viewers are welcome on that. I mean, I know the uh, Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald, she has now called for a full guest list to be made public on those that did turn up for this event. Uh, there's so many names now coming out. I did hear the Tawnish Dola, Leo Varadkar, he basically said that he was only there for about 45 minutes or 50 minutes that he was um, doing work he uh, popped over to the Marion Hotel and they went back to work uh, that's what he is saying but then I suppose he was still there anyhow your views welcome on that 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 that is something that will continue on over the next number of days also ahead on the programme our Garda file will be looking at crimes in the area on our Garda file later in the show and also if you have a pet that is causing you problems or maybe is in pain and you can't figure out what is going on with your pet well we'll have pet advice with our vet Jane after 12.30 so your views are welcome 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
And from what happened there uh, with Catherine Sapone and her party, uh, anybody who was hoping to go along to a festival this year, and the big one is Electric Picnic, and a lot of people had eyes on this, thinking that, because the organisers were very confident that they can work something to go ahead. Well, Leach County Council, they have refused to grant Electric Picnic organisers a licence to hold this year's festival. A statement yesterday from the council in Leash said the decision was made following the most up-to-date public health advice made available to the council from the HSC. And furthermore, it is noted that under government measures, Leash County Council say that the management of COVID-19 events of this nature are restricted to an attendance of 500 people only. We'll have to wait and see what will happen with that. Will they look elsewhere or will they still consider uh, that location in Leash? I know I did hear concerns in the Leash area from councillors who were approached by people in their own constituencies who were unhappy to think that there was thousands of people coming to the area in Leash. And you can see locals' point of view uh, when they're, everybody's doing their bit and then there's thousands ascending uh, on their village or on their towns uh, to celebrate with electric picnics. So you can see why the locals will be concerned. Anyhow, that licence hasn't been granted, even though uh, Fianna Fáil TDs are coming out now and saying that they are hopeful a smaller version of electric picnic could still go ahead uh, this year. That was according to the Fianna Fáil spokesperson for the arts, uh, Fianna Fáil TD, Neve Smith. Uh, she's hoping a compromise can be reached, but it does seem that Leash County Council have made their decision on that. And we heard earlier in the week from those working in our hospitals, in all sectors of our hospitals, from those working in the hospital kitchen to the nurses, doctors, porters, they were saying that they are now burnt out from all the extra work they have done over the last number of months and indeed the last year or so. And because of that, a lot of people are are finding it tough to take annual leave. We know the current situation in Bantry with consultants on annual leave and everybody's entitled to their annual leave. But now we have a situation in Bantry, which is, I suppose, the HSEs and it's not the staff's and no one has ever said it's the staff's fault, it's the big boy's fault who haven't organised the annual leave roster, basically. Uh, But that has led to no admissions going into the hospital in Bantry. Well, now for those who are trying to take their annual leave or looking for extra leave for the health staff within hospitals, a voucher, cash payment or extra holiday leave will be demanded for healthcare staff. Uh, that's in recognition of their work during the pandemic. The health group of unions, they're going to meet with the HSC officials and it's going to take place this morning within the Workplace Relations Commission. Uh, there is, they will resume talks again and this is to have some type of claim or compensation for members who continue to put in extra hours as they battle against the virus within the hospitals and, and trying to save the lives of patients, patients that are attending various hospitals and in, in, in ICU and more so I suppose what has happened over the last year. A uh, HSE spokesperson has said that they do intend on addressing the issue but one worker, uh, Fiona, who's from Cork and describes herself as a household staff worker in Cork, she said she's worked six days a week for months and staff have been giving 110% for the last year and a half. She said all health staff should be recognised. So we'll have to wait and see what happens out of those talks if health staff will be recognised for the work they have put in over the last number of, uh, well, two years nearly at this stage. Lines open 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We're with you until one o'clock and on the way next we're going to hear about that inquest that was held yesterday in Mallow into the deaths of a father and his two sons at their family farm near and Turk last October. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103.
An inquest into a murder-suicide in North Cork has ruled 26-year-old Marco Sullivan was unlawfully killed, while his father Tyg and younger brother Dermot both took their own lives. Our reporter Murray Tuig was at the inquest at Mallow Courthouse yesterday and joins me. Good morning to you, Murray. Good morning, Sam Paul. And just from the outset, some listeners may find this discussion distressing. Uh, Murray, this was just a very sad and tragic day yesterday and what came out in court. I mean, the inquest, if we go through the timeline of the events in the inquest, the inquest revealed how on the morning of the incident, Anne, uh, the mother, woke to the sound of a gunshot. Absolutely, Jean Paul. Yeah, so, so it's just going back to the, the evening before that on Sunday, October 25th, um, and the late Anne O'Sullivan and, and her son, Mark, they returned to the family home. Um, and Dermot and Tyg came in after about 10 minutes after they returned. She said, you know, there was a tension and the kind of a coldness between them. Uh, Dermot and Tyg left in Tyg's car and went to bed around 8pm. And as you say, um, on the morning, that was the bank holiday Monday of the October weekend. Um, I suppose just to say why they returned home the Sunday. So Mark and Anne, uh, they'd been in Dublin. Sam was receiving surgery for because she'd been diagnosed with a terminal cancer, um, and she was having surgery as part of the treatment. And when they returned to court, they'd stayed with her cousin for a number of days. And Anne was anxious to get home, so that that's why they came home the Sunday. And as you said there, that around six a.m. on on Monday, October twenty sixth, Anne told Gardy that she'd heard movement and thought it was early for a bank holiday. She got up. She put on her dressing gown, her shoes, and she went out of her bedroom and she saw Tyg and Dermot with guns and they were facing into the bedroom where Mark was. She asked them what had they done and they each left off another shot. Now, in this incident, Mark was shot seven times. Um, it's a dispute involving a will and Anne O'Sullivan wanted to split the farm between her sons, but Dermot wasn't happy with this, the younger son. He felt that he, he deserved more. Um, so Anne went to get her phone um, on back on the morning of the, the 26th after what she'd just seen and uh, Dermot took it off her. Uh, she said that they seemed agitated and she noted that they had normal clothes on. Now all of this information was made to Pauline's statements to Gardy in the days after these tragic events. Um, and then uh, Dermot and Tyke, they both left the farmhouse. Uh, before Anne left the house, she told Mark, you know, hold on. I'm going to go and get help. Uh, he was on the floor, she said, with blood on him and there was slime around his mouth. So she went out to the gate. It had a new lock on it and she saw Dermot and Tyg. They were outside the gate. Uh, Dermot was banging something on the ground, something which she believed could have been the, the phone. So she went back to the house and, and what she did then, she went to the side and out through the fields to go to her neighbour's house and she stayed in by the ditches to stay out of sight and to protect herself to, to get to her neighbour's house. Now, I suppose, you know, Anne and Tyg, they got married in Rome in 1993, and Anne said that Tyg's view of the future included watching their kids get married and have kids of their own. So um, Anne reached her, her neighbour, Anne Cronin's house. That was around 7 or 7.30, and Miss Cronin, the neighbour, said, you know, they were then fearing for their own safety because they just heard what, what had happened down at Raheen, um, and they were unaware of the whereabouts of Dermot and Tyg, but Anne O'Sullivan didn't believe that they had followed her up there to the neighbour's house. They contacted the emergency services and before the Gardaí arrived at the scene, and they heard at least one gunshot. So I suppose going back to that day, October 26th, and I remember covering it um, on the news desk on the day and there was a media blackout for most of the day, but it came out after that. The Gardaí found Mark's body in a bedroom at the farmhouse. That was just before 12.30pm because they were unaware if, of the whereabouts of Dermot and Tyg and they knew that they were armed. They couldn't enter the house until they knew it was safe to do so. And uh, the bodies of Tyg and Dermot were found just over an hour later 
and they were found in a field around 500 metres from the family home and they both, as you said at the outset, John Paul, they had both had self-inflicted gunshot wounds. And now Assistant State Pathologist uh, Dr. Margaret Bolster was at the inquest yesterday. She'd conducted uh, the post-mortem examinations on the bodies of the three men and, and she gave her evidence. Um, and I suppose a letter was found in the pocket of Dermot Jeans and there was a letter found in Tyke's uh, jacket pocket. These are both addressed to Anne. Now, these were not read in court yesterday, but there was an unsigned letter. It was found in a pharmacy bag. And at Forensic Science Ireland, they looked at it and they said there's strong evidence to suggest that it was written by Mark. And that letter was read into evidence. So in it, uh, Mark said that he no longer felt safe at home and that Raheem was, was no longer a safe haven. He said that Dear Miz, who's his younger brother, had said that unless he was given the land, you know, he would commit suicide and that he told him that there would be no lights on in Raheem ever again. He said that, uh, Mark said that he could overcome comments about his weight and skill set, but that he could not overcome threats to himself or his mother. Also in court yesterday, uh, Mark's friend, Clara Lucy, um, they met through work. Uh, she said that he was intelligent, that he was funny. And uh, she said as well that he was doing the green search. So I suppose as a lot of people are aware, the green search is what you do if you're taking over a farm and, you know, in order to get loans and all the rest of it. So she told of how on October 10th last year that Mark told her of his fears um, that his brother and father would kill him and make it look like suicide. And he asked her to show their messages to Gardaí if his body was ever found. And she did stress yesterday that Mark was was definitely not uh, suicidal. Now, I should go back there, I suppose, to the assistant state pathologist, Dr. Bolster. And when she was going to give evidence, the coroner, who said, Dr. Michael Kennedy, you know, that anyone here, you know, it's a very distressing day. And if there's anyone wants to leave and not hear, I suppose, the detail of this, because it was quite, you know, shocking to yeah, hear. Yeah, it, it, uh, it is quite shocking what yeah. came out. I mean, I know there was reports on that week on, in, in many of the papers when was happening, but uh, the inquest really, you know, it comes out with the facts uh, of investigation. Okay. And also when you mentioned there about the, the letters, uh, the statement read out to the the inquest yesterday uh, from the mother, the late Anna Sullivan, who was the sole survivor of the incident on that farm near Kenturk. I mean, in that, and as you gave the timeline of events there, it was quite obvious she was aware uh, that Mark had said he was afraid to stay at their home uh, over what was described as a breakdown in the relationship between his father and his brother. Absolutely. And I suppose that brings me on to, to Anna Sullivan's first cousin, Louise Sherlock, um, also gave evidence yesterday. And, and she said that Anne was like the eighth sister in her family. And the court was told that Anne had told Louise that the bad feeling between the four of them, but that began when, when her diagnosis of terminal cancer in, in February of last year. And there was pressure there from her younger son, dear than husband, Ty, to make a will. Uh, leaving her family farm to the youngest son. Now, Louise recalled um, during a visit to Raheen in March last year, Pike passed a comment to Anne saying that someone he knew had forged their will and at least they had their affairs in order. So it kind of passed a comment there to, to almost suggest, like, come on. Um, and Pike had also told Louise that, that it would be all over in a couple of weeks and that there would be carnage. Now, Anne and Mark, as I already mentioned, they'd moved in with Louise uh, following Anne's surgery in Dublin. On October 13th last year, Louise took her concerns about the situation to Cantrick Garda Station. She looked for advice. You know, she she was told of the different orders that they could take out, you know, a barring order and, and so on. And Louise was about to go on night shifts and Anna Mark promised her that they wouldn't leave to go home while she was at work. And she gave them the number for Cantrick Garda Station. And Louise also told if her Mark had slept at the foot of his mum's bed in order to protect her. 
as I said earlier, Zalan was anxious to go home. So October 25th, um, they returned home to Rahim. Um, so, and then it was October 26th that, that the, the events, the tragedy unfolded there at the family farm. Now, as we mentioned, Dr. Michael Kennedy, the coroner, he described the circumstances as a terrible, terrible sequence of events and that it was very hard to make sense of it all, what had happened. You know, he extended his sympathies to, to all of those impacted, including the community of Asilas in, in Canturk. And he also said, John Paul, that, you know, anyone listening to this, anyone listening this morning, anyone reading about this in the news or looking at it, seek mediation for any trouble that you're having. And he made that appeal yesterday. If you're taking in the circumstances of this tragic, tragic situation, and if you're having trouble to seek mediation, and he made that call. And the jury also made a recommendation at the inquest yesterday. And they called for a review of protocols for dealing with calls and statements from third parties to Gardaí where there's a danger to life and firearms involved. They, they made that recommendation yesterday. Okay, that, that recommendation was noted yesterday. Uh, and you mentioned there the assistant state pathologist, Dr. Margaret Bolster. She did tell the inquest yesterday that uh, inquest of, of drugs or, or alcohol, that they played no role in the incident. They did, yeah, she absolutely did. And uh, yeah, she went through exactly, you know, she she visited the scene at around 4.45pm on, on the 26th of October and then she conducted the post-mortem exams over the coming days. And, and as you said there, John Paul, yeah, drugs or alcohol played no part in any of, of the three deaths. Okay, well, uh, I, uh, it's very. I'm very conscious of the family, the wider family uh, that are still living in the area, and cousins and friends of uh, the deceased. So our thoughts are with all of you uh, this morning, and indeed the entire area of uh, Castle Magnar and Canturk. It's a very, very difficult day in court um, yesterday, and hearing uh, what was coming forward out of that inquest with Maureen. Thank you for joining us this morning on the program. Thanks, John Paul. Uh, that is our reporter, Murray Tuig, who was at the courthouse in Mallow yesterday. And helplines are available. If you have been affected by this report, you can contact the Samaritans on 116 123, pay to house on 1800 247 247, or text the word HELP to 51444. Alone can be contacted on 0818 222 024. And aware on one eight hundred eighty forty eight forty eight. Lishin's house are also available on O two three eight 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 eight. Eight, eight, eight. We have those details here. If you wish to contact us, we can pass them on to you. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. It might surprise many, but sales of electric cars have doubled this year in comparison to the same period in 2020. Brian Cook is Director General of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. It's good to know that the motor industry is bouncing back from a disappointing 2020. Many people uh, that managed to save some money anyhow across that year are investing in new cars and it seems many are going electric. Yeah, look, I think July certainly is, uh, is, is probably the first really positive month we've had in a couple of years. So I think we're fortunate uh, with the pent-up demand and the savings, as you've outlined there. And we have seen dealerships busy uh, for new and used cars uh, over the last couple of months. So that's very positive. And I, the most noteworthy piece of it is, as you mentioned there, is electric vehicles. We've doubled the numbers. We've doubled the market share. Uh, it's very new technology. It's exciting technology. But it's uh, people are starting to embrace it now. And n- not not just in Dublin, where 
I suppose most of the sales had been up to, up to now. It's it's it, it, it's countrywide. Like Cork accounts for ten percent of the electric vehicle market so far this year. So I think that's that's very positive. We're all trying to improve um, our environmental footprint. And I think people buying newer cars, not just electric vehicles, but newer cars, whether they be diesel, petrol, hybrid, in particular electric cars, uh, uh, will will it'll improve their environmental profile by doing that. And it does seem that people are going electric and thinking of that. Uh, and as you mentioned there, here in Cork, we have seen shopping centres with new charging points. A lot of the existing petrol stations are also uh, including those on their forecourts. But the, the one thing that many people have a fear of is, you know, for long journeys, if you're going on a staycation, if you have to turn off and, and find one, they may not be everywhere in the country, but also it's people who are living in housing estates. This is the big problem we have come across. Uh, if your parking space is not outside the front door, if it's a 40-second walk, away or apartment blocks where you lease your space they're simply more or less saying no to installing these charging points or there's a a big upheaval in the housing estate. Do you think that will have a knock-on effect because that is what is turning many of our listeners off this morning? Yeah, there's no doubt range anxiety is a huge issue out there. Um, I mean, the the newer cars have actually got very good range uh, up to 500 kilometres but even even with that, people need to be confident that when their fuel is low, just like they are with a with a with a combustion engine car, they can go to a petrol filling station. That they do have access to to, to refueling. I, I think it's interesting. I think the the minister for housing, Dara O'Brien, announced yesterday, uh, not just on new bills, but they're going to put in a consultation on the, on estates that are already there um, for for in, installation of, of charging points. Uh, I think that's hugely important. I think uh, in the major cities, you mentioned shopping centres. Um, and even you know on, on major streets and in petrol stations, there's a commercial viability uh, proposition to people setting up charging points. But for a large swathes of the country, particularly in rural Ireland, that commercial reality is probably a number of years away. So I do think the state needs to intervene. The state has supported this project from day one, and I think it needs to intervene uh, in its national development plan or to, in its infrastructure plan to uh, putting uh, charging points in strategic places. So people are comfortable when they're when they're doing their their daily commute or their their you know their their monthly national travel. Yeah, as you say, there the state is encouraging this, but unless the infrastructure is in place easily, I mean everything these days, Brian, you'll be aware, is made with less hassle. Uh, people don't want to do too much these days if it goes out of their way. So if you have to move yourself at nine o'clock in the evening to go and charge your vehicle, that could take thirty minutes. It's not really going to work in the long term. So they they really are going to have to do something now. It's it's going to be too late if they start implementing something in twenty twenty eight. Yeah, no, John Paul, you've, you've hit it in the nail on the head that the more we can do now, the easier it will be to roll out electric vehicles because the more electric vehicles we can get into the fleet today, that will create a second-hand market in 2025, 2026. And, and that will just encourage the whole electric vehicle project. And if the government can invest today, which they should do, and they have done today to think of personal, if they can put that investment in place now, then that will give a lot of comfort to people. It will give them confidence in buying electric vehicles. And as I say, it will just make things much easier, you know, as the decade goes on. And we'll have more electric vehicles than otherwise would have had if the investment isn't made. And you mentioned there regarding the batteries and the range improving in them. How long can a battery last for an electric car? Well, it's hard to say. I think most of them, they have a warranty of seven or eight years. But, I mean, they will last beyond that. And um, so... Uh, um, if like, like one of the things about electric vehicles, like any car, they need to be maintained, and uh, if they're maintained properly, 
uh, and used properly, they will you you will get a long you will get a longer life out of the battery. So I'd say we're only learning on how long the battery lasts. But I think it, if you notice, most most manufacturers commit to at least six or seven or eight years. Uh, so 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 that's the minimum amount of time you would expect a battery to last. Yeah, and William and Glamire, then, if you do need to replace the battery, are they expensive to replace? Is, is there a major cost? Or are we are, well, we, in, are uh, we that far in as yet? Yeah, well, no. At the moment, batteries are a hugely expensive. Part there's a, there's an issue regarding the raw materials, so they are expensive to replace. You would hope, though, by the time most people are coming to actually, if they ever have to replace the battery in the car, it will be seven or eight years away. And by that time, the supply should have improved, the technology should have, should have, should improve. So I think the cost will come down. It's like with any new product, the initial cost, the research and development, and all that actually, you know, adds to the initial cost. But as time goes by and as uh, this technology becomes much more commonplace, the prices of the cars and of the batteries will actually reduce. So so hopefully by the time someone finds it necessary to replace a battery, that, that, that cost will be much reduced. And do we have an, any average price at the moment on how much it is currently if people were looking at changing a battery? Well, I, I don't. there isn't really a market for it at the yeah. moment because I think, as I say, they're very, most of the cars are very new. And, uh, and and batteries haven't had to be replaced, so um, so I think I think we'll only we'll only discover that, John Paul. You know, in as, the next as time four goes on. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned hybrid there. Now those models are becoming very popular because it's the the combination of either petrol and electric. So with electric itself growing, this is something and a market that we'll see improvements in over the next number of years. So uh, would you recommend for people if they are thinking of changing and they're still looking at diesel or petrol? to consider hybrid if they're not 100% sure on electric? Yeah, well, I, well, I think what everyone needs to do, you know, when you're, when you're making a big, uh, you know, uh, purchase like a car, whether it's a new car or a used car, you have to see what will actually suit your driving needs. And for many people, it will still be diesel or petrol. But certainly we've seen, if you, if you add the electric vehicles, the plug-in hybrids and the conventional hybrids, they account for nearly a third of the new car sales so far this year. And they're a very important piece because... Once people experience the driving on a battery, particularly in you know in, in towns and in cities, it's actually really enjoyable to actually drive. It's a nicer drive in many cases than 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 a combustion engine car. So so I do think they they are an important stepping stone. Um, and I think the important thing is that we embrace all technologies. I mean, even diesel has come down significantly in emissions over the last ten years. Uh, it, there's going to be more improvements in them. So for people who are still doing big mileage or who are required to carry big loads, uh, diesel will still be important. But I do think hybrid technology, whether it's plug-in or whether it's conventional hybrid, are an important stepping stone for many people. And it will give them the experience of driving a car with a ba- on a battery. And a lot of listeners are worried that as we are going electric and that is the way it's going to go. Could you see from your own industry changes in the pricing of petrol and diesel at the pumps? I mean, is that something that could increase, not to force people, but to sway them more on a hybrid or uh, going fully electric? Well, we know like carbon taxes are going to be increased over, over over the next 10 years. And, you know, I think each year it's going to add probably two or three cents to a litre of diesel and petrol. So, so, so the price of diesel and petrol is going to increase over the next 10 years uh, in terms of taxation. Um, on the other hand, new cars, new internal combustion engine cars are much more fuel efficient than even cars manufactured five years ago. So that might offset some of that cost. But there's no doubt the cost of electricity is much cheaper than the cost of uh, of petrol and diesel. So, so there is a saving for people who do switch to electric in terms of actually the running costs of the vehicle. Uh, 
and as more and more people are looking at changing or if they haven't already getting a new car there's a shortage though of new cars and, and this is to do with components isn't it across the world yeah well like um, all new cars have these um, semi semiconductor chips in them and uh and because of the pandemic, there was a lot of those factories closed down. And they're not just in cars, they're in iPhones, they're in laptops, they're in computers and also. So so there is a shortage. Now, we've probably been fortunate in that we got July, which is uh, our third busiest month traditionally, uh, and we had enough stock to supply July. So so the, the last quarter of the year tends to be our quietest quarter of the year. So so this, while there may not be a good supply, it may not be an issue. So, But it's important for the Irish motor industry that that issue is resolved before the start of next year because if it's not it will impact on the level of new cars supplied to the Irish market And very finally uh, what are the most popular electric cars that people are considering going along and, and taking a look uh, what's top of the league at the moment? Well it's it's always the new it's always the newest one John Paul mm-hmm. and with, with new technology so this year Volkswagen have done very well with their ID4s and their ID3s which are good substitutes for their the cars that they traditionally have like the Golf and the Passat the Nissan Leaf is still very popular and the Tesla uh, is popular for uh, for for people with uh, with bigger budgets, but I think the one to watch might well be the the new Audi that has just come on stream, um, and I think demand for that in the last quarter of the year would be very interesting to see. Well, I think you're right. Hopefully, the state does get behind this now, and while they are pushing the agenda for electric cars, that they actually do provide the infrastructure, because without that, you will have reservations from people who want to move on and, and buy and go electric. But for the moment, Brian, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Good to chat. Uh, Take care. That is uh, Brian Cook there, who is from the Irish Motor Industry, the Society of the Irish Motor Industry. Uh, And are you considering going electric? As many people have, you'll notice on the roads, well, I have anyhow, a lot of new cars, the new regis over the last year or so, as many people have changed up uh, from 2020. But uh, some are slow to go electric. Others have made the move. And even I can see here already on text and WhatsApp, people are slow fully to make the move. And it all goes back to the infrastructure and they suppose the question surrounding electric cars but have you made the move if you have uh, how do you find the drive uh, as Brian said there they're a, a beautiful drive he's obviously driven an electric car as so many others in the industry have and got a chance to but have you experienced that let us know if you have gone fully electric and feel it's a positive move or if you have reservations like so many other people have because of the lack of infrastructure your views on electric cars we'd love to hear from you you can call Bernie 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Very good morning to you. It's Cork Today with you. Until one, your views are welcome. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And earlier in the programme, we were discussing uh, electric cars and would you consider purchasing an electric car because sales of these have doubled over the last year and people have concerns about going electric fully because of the lack of infrastructure across the country and also a lot of people are just choosing to go hybrid and just to see how all of this works and just to get used to the idea of going electric well we had a big uh, response to our discussion we spoke with Brian Cook of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry on this a lot of people have mixed views on going electric and we'd love to hear from, from someone who has gone electric and how are you finding the experience and the big thing and the concern is the charging points of people are unable to get one at their 
their home uh, on this uh, texter says I've just been listening and hearing your comments on electric cars now I'm personally says this person not going for electric or hybrid I have a vintage car that it's petrol it's over 30 years old and it's in perfect condition but my question is can we still get petrol for old cars or will we either have to pay a fortune for petrol which is expensive enough as it is or will they just be scrapped I live in a very rural location so probably no chance of getting a charger even if I wanted one I do have an electric bike but that's as far as I will go I wonder what any classic car owners think of all of this says that person on text while Pat Uh, says hi JP those electric car batteries they won't last and if we are fast charging them will they burn out like everything else it might burn them out I will keep away for them for sure uh, says Pat on text while Heidi says morning JP the state intervened to get us to buy diesel cars and now it's electric cars just more money for people to spend but who gains from all of this, asks Heidi. And that is true. A number of years ago, uh, they were encouraging us to go diesel. People did. And now they're encouraging people to ditch the diesel and look at electric or hybrid petrol electric uh, at the moment. But they're more or less against the diesel cars now, which we were told to go and purchase. I don't know, was it about 10, 15 years ago? Uh, the rush was on and the advice was go diesel. Uh, Pat and Mallow wants to know how much is it or how much does it cost to charge an electric car and does there need to be a lot more uh, charging points before she would be tempted to buy electric and if anybody has an electric car the cost to charge one uh, because that would go on your electricity bill. Now I know some of the charging points when they started uh, they were free of charge you could charge your car at the public uh, electric charging points for free but that was changing and you had to pay an amount to charge the car uh, before it would actually work for you. Uh, so I'm not too sure of the overall charge at a public point, but if anybody has an electric car and does charge it, how much extra is your electricity bill? And on that, another texter saying there are companies that convert your current petrol or diesel car to electric. We would go down that road. No way can we afford an electric car. Uh, and I wonder how much it is, though, to convert a diesel or petrol car to electric. I think there'd be a lot of work in that, changing everything around and taking out all the various elements that come with petrol and diesel. Anyhow, thank you for your text on that. Also a texter here saying, Hi JP, a number of concerns I would have are number one, and not the sufficient infrastructure from the government on charging points. Two, the cost of cars, they are very expensive. And three, the man you had on couldn't answer how much a battery costs to replace as they haven't been needed, he said. Well, electric cars, says this texter, have been in Ireland for over 10 years. Also, four, she said, or he says, batteries are hugely damaging to the environment. So how they may be environmentally friendly to drive, they are not at end of life when scrapped. And five, the car charging time is not workable. The time is just too long. And says that person on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And yeah, a lot of people picking up, uh, Brian simply... Uh, wasn't aware of the charge of um, the batteries or to replace the batteries the amount they could cost because he feels that we haven't got to a situation whereby people who have electric cars uh, haven't had the battery 
run out or enough people haven't had the battery run out or needed to replace their battery in their car uh, to see how much the average cost would be. Uh, that was his answer on that, that we need to be down the road further to give an average cost on how much it is to replace a battery in an electric car because they're relatively new to Ireland and he feels we'll need to know that answer maybe in seven or eight years uh, time we should have a, a more average price. Well, Donny in Newmarket says he's heard that to replace a battery it can be up to 18,000 euro. Uh, he says even though Brian explained he didn't answer the question and he did explain that to his knowledge he did not know because we haven't got to the stage yet of people replacing their batteries in their cars because uh, they last up to seven or eight years but Donny Newmarket says uh, from what he's hearing from people uh, the cost can be up to 18,000 euro which would be the costs of a new car or a second or a good second hand car at least anyway uh, so that's a lot if that is the cost to replace the battery uh, also on the range for batteries uh, WhatsApp are saying uh, the range of electric cars that we have at the moment the battery range it's perfect for weather conditions that are good with the driver only in the car but should you give the range with the wipers and the heater on and then you have the driver in the car with three or four passengers? Should that be better? Should they give that range rather than the range they are giving seemingly is always for perfect weather conditions and a driver, a single person in the car, uh, which is the driver and nobody else? The reality we have in this country is the weather is very changeable and we can't rely on having perfect weather conditions for long journeys. So as we all know, if you put on the heater or the wipers or whatever else, it does take from the energy of the car And when they give the battery range and say it can do so much or travel so many kilometres, are they taken into account that you could be travelling on a day like today if you come across a downpour? If temperatures drop, you're going to plant the heater. And that all has to be taken into account. Uh, There's just some of our calls and texts, people's views on electric cars and going electric. And if you have gone electric, let us know uh, how it's all working for you, the costs and what they are like to drive. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And the phone scams, they continue. We mentioned this, we've been mentioning this for the last number of years, but this week again, uh, there was an increase in calls and they always seem to be on a Wednesday for some reason this when the, the calls kind of really increase to certain areas of the country and we had a lot of calls from people yesterday who did receive numerous scam calls here's another one from a person who says uh, well just to warn people on, on this one this person received she's been getting calls from the end of July uh, from nine various mobile phone numbers they all start with 086 and the last three digits are always different now uh, she does press the button on her phone to report them as Bam. But yesterday at work, her colleagues got her to answer one of those calls just to see what the scam was. It was an automated computer with a female American voice saying that they're looking up my details and looking up my convictions that were found against my name. Now, it's a pure scam as I have been guard vetted anyhow for my job. But just to put this out there, as it could frighten some people, especially vulnerable or older people, if they hear uh, this American voice saying that they have convictions found against their name just to be careful so again it's a scam and when you get any of those type calls it's just better to hang up and if you get the call where it says press 1 just hang up because once you press 1 you're through to a premium line and then it's your bill will increase your credit will decrease so just take extra note of that those scam calls still doing the rounds Uh, they are causing problems though for many people who are trying to ring people uh, because now no one's answering their phone so text messaging is becoming or whatsapping is becoming the new uh, thing now as people are just evading these 
scam calls at the moment. There's so many of them doing the rounds and so many uh, coming from Irish mobile phone numbers uh, and cloning numbers as they do. But just to make people aware of that, that's a new take on the scams going around saying that the convictions now are being found against you uh, by an American female voice computer automated. But just to be aware of that and let people know of that as well. And here's a, a nice one. It's an act of kindness. And this is from Valerie. Valerie was an Aldi in Charleville a few days ago. Now, Valerie is a diabetic and her blood sugar levels were low. So Valerie was in the store and she had forgotten her purse and she was buying a banana and a sandwich. And the lady in front of her in the queue helped her out. She obviously realised that, that Valerie had not brought her purse or mislaid her purse and could not purchase the banana and the sandwich, which maybe unknown to that lady she needed Valerie needed that because of her blood sugar levels the lady in front of her her name was Jackie uh, she helped her out by paying uh, for the actual sandwich and the banana uh, it was much appreciated as Valerie needed the sugar so whoever Jackie is and you were in uh, Aldi in Charnival over the last few days well done to you what a great gesture and a great act of kindness and Valerie passing on her thanks there in Charnival and the Olympics uh, big congrats to all our Olympians I know we spoke earlier uh, in the week to Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy winning gold we heard from Emily Hagerty also and so many more athletes from Cork competing and doing so well in Tokyo uh, just to give a mention to a number of them and we will hear later uh, from the family and this is another success story out of Dublin but it's the family of Kelly Harrington and she now will fight for gold on Sunday morning but just to give a mention to a number of other athletes that are taking part and I will mention all of them uh, but one is Alex Wright and Alex Wright is going to be competing tonight and a text in here to wish him all the very best tonight that's coming in from his neighbours at Connolly Avenue in Mallow and Alex Wright He's going to go and in the 50k race walk. Alex is from London, but he has been living in Mallow while training with Rob Heffernan for the Olympics in Tokyo. So all in Connolly Avenue in Mallow, wishing Alex the very best for later tonight. And we will give a mention to the other athletes from Cork who were competing in the Olympics still to, to compete and those who have taken part over the last number of days. And we'll also catch up with the family of Kelly Harrington, who has got silver anyhow but could fight for gold a success late overnight and we'll hear more from them later in the programme your views are welcome 1850-333-103 Bernie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the way we'll speak with the advocate for the elderly here in Cork Paddy O'Brien as concerns continue to grow over the operation waiting lists uh, which are increasing here in the Cork area we'll speak with Paddy next C103 Jobs on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include household and healthcare assistance required for the Brookfield Care Centre in Liam Lara. You can email your CV to hr at brookfieldcc.ie. And sales assistants are wanted for a jewellery shop in Killarney. Call Sarah at 0646663699. And school bus drivers are wanted for the Skibbereen, Ross Carberry, Baltimore, Ballady Hob, and Skull areas. Call 87 for further details. You'll find these jobs and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. 
Concerns are being raised as people continue to wait for surgery for knee replacements or cataracts and as the waiting list grows for many people. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They're becoming frustrated. Many elderly say they have no quality of life. An advocate for the elderly here in Cork, Paddy O'Brien, joins me. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning, John Paul. Thank you very much for having me on the programme. And thanks for joining us. I mean, a lot of these are due to surgeries being cancelled uh, at this height of the pandemic. Now people have gone back on the waiting lists and they're telling us that they're simply suffering in silence at home. Well, the, 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 the situation is this, that many of these people, even prior to COVID-19, were already on waiting this, waiting this, waiting this for years. And uh, I find it very, very difficult to understand why a person has to suffer so much. Now you have people waiting on a knee replacement, uh, a hip replacement, and the, I, the pain is unbearable because I've known of people who've had these, these, these surgeries carried out. And I suppose if it's a consolation to your listeners, the people who, who are waiting on uh, the, the surgery, that um, after a few months you're back to normal, you're living a normal life. And it's worth, but uh, I think the waiting time is uh, out of control, quite honestly, and the HC must attach uh, more importance to it to alleviate the numbers and to do something about it. Now, with the cataract situation, I, I can't understand that at all. For, for, for surgery, that takes less than 15 minutes that you have absolutely thousands on, the, on, on waiting lists, and people are waiting for years and years. And for all the surgeries, these people... They have no quality of life. They've got to remain indoors. They are nervous to go off outside their own door. They're, they're with the cataract situation. John Paul, they're afraid that they're going to uh, slip or fall or go out to a clothesline. It's different. And they've become very... Um, they lose their, lose their confidence, quite honestly. They yeah. lose their confidence. 
Yeah, Rose is one of our listeners who's texted in and she said that she's waiting for over four years for a cataract operation and she's just terrified that she'll go blind. And you mentioned there about going to the clothesline or just doing simple duties around the house. Yeah. She's terrified yeah. because she's had had a few falls and she's afraid that one more fall could see her ending up in hospital for long-term cases or ending up in a home. And she does not want that. It's all because basically she's saying she, she can't see properly and it's just so frustrating for her. Yeah, but my heart goes out at a nice lady and she's actually what she has said there she is um, endorsing the sentiments of all the people I've been speaking to over the last few months it's just awful awful I mean could just imagine that lady she does her washing but she can't go up the line she's afraid to go off out the line and even walking around the house she's nervous nervous and I've known people who think that by watching television it's going to reduce their eyesight they, they, they won't even watch television they will not watch television and they have no quality of life and if there are any TDs listen to your program this morning, I'd say that they, they must do something. It, it's never mentioned anywhere. It's never mentioned that in the doyle. It's never mentioned at council meetings whatsoever. That the, the numbers, the numbers are so high, and there's no, they're not reducing. It's worth if what's happening over the last couple of years. I'm not specifically now John Paul speaking about the COVID. Uh, the last few years that uh, less, less procedures been carried out but still no more, more people going onto the waiting list. And I heard of a case recently where this lady, she was, couldn't wait any longer, and she went and she borrowed €3,000 from the from the credit union. It just cost her under for, for the cataract. For the, for the, and that was just for one eye only. She went into debt, left 3000 that she told me she had to, because she said herself, I, I called her, she said, Paddy, I thought it was going crazy. I thought I'd lose my mind. I was, you know, I thought I was just all negative. She was remaining in bed. She wasn't going to mass. She wasn't watching television. And But this wasn't for a week. This was for a month. For, for 18 months, she suffered that way. And that's regrettable. And it's awful. It's appalling. It's disgraceful that our elderly population... Can I say this um, in the context of what I'm speaking about? Yeah. There are many people out there in their 40s and 50s and 60s as well waiting on, on a cataract but not as many as the older people. And you see, what has happened that the elderly people have no voice. They're a silent majority. They're not representing the government. And the situation, every section of the community in this country, the farmers, the guards, the nurses, the teachers, they all have their minister so-and-so in the door. We don't. We don't have a minister for the elderly. We do not have a minister for the elderly. And people listening to the programme, I said to me, there is a, a, some minister, a, um, minister of state or a junior minister, but uh, that person already done has half, half, does a half a dozen other items. But that person does not go to the table on a on a Monday, um, Tuesday morning, sit around the table when big, big decisions are making. So, for instance, when they speak about the budget, when they speak about the increase, we have, we had no re- representative there. And 35 years ago, Speaking at a function in Cork at the Metro Hotel, I called for a minister for the elderly. And I kept on saying that down through the years and years and years. And some years after, we spoke about um, a junior minister. And I will have to say this, I'll have to say this, that one of the best uh, junior ministers or minister for state for the elderly was a man from Tannacilty by the name of Jim Daly. He was doing tremendous work, continuously speaking, highlighting the problem. And I think that if we had a minister for the elderly representing 
everybody over 60 years of age, the situation would be different, completely different. We wouldn't have these rates because we have a voice. And I repeat myself when I say we are a, vo- a voiceless, silent collection of our community. And this is why people are suffering at this point in time. Yeah, and it was actually uh, Margaret Hopkins was on with us earlier in the week from Active Retirement Ireland on people getting to some normality back again. Uh, and she made that point that she felt uh, that older people were cancelled over the last year. And a lot of the reasons were there wasn't en- enough in government to speak up for the age group over 60s or over 70s. They felt they were yeah. being told what to do, but no consultation on how to do things over the last year. And you mentioned there about the Minister for Older People at the moment. It's Mary Butler from Waterford she is a minister of state as you mentioned though uh, not a you know not a full minister but a minister of state and she also has to uh, deal with mental health uh, as well in her portfolio and indeed then older people but she, you would like someone at the cabinet table just specifically dealing uh, with that issue uh, that we are dealing with today then uh, waiting list I would like and, and so right and proper that we must have we had a, a, a person responsible for the elderly the lady who's in trouble at the moment or her appointment uh, as an envoy. She was the minister for the for, for the for the youth law. She was minister for the youth. We must and we should have a, a minister for the age that they all can all receive fair from everyone and we'll have um, if that everybody can enjoy a quality of life. It isn't just the, 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 the well-off. We must have a voice. The teachers have a voice. The nurses have a voice. The guards have a voice. The farmers have a voice. They all have a voice. There's nobody speaking. There's nobody speaking about the elderly. There's nobody at all speaking about the elderly. During the COVID, they just spoke in lines of they were all sympathy. They were all sorry what, what was happening with the elderly. The elderly, that was it. But the elderly at the moment, many of the elderly at this point in time are on the poverty line. They cannot exist on what they're getting. And many people who've got a, that would have got a letter in the last few months from Aircom that telephone is going up again. It's going up six euro a month. That's seventy two euro in the year. And our budget every year is only five euro. Five euro. So people got a letter from Aircom saying it's that this is a situation where are increasing this and they were all apologies, apologies, but they said we'll continue to give the best service. No, I don't want to um digress away from the 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 masters I'm speaking about, both mm-hmm. the replacement and the knee and the cataract. These are vital, vital, vital. People must do something. They have to do something. Take people out of pain. People are in pain. And that's it. This is unacceptable. Un- 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 it's wrong and it's wrong. I can't see why they can't do just say, right, to make a, a, an effort, say, okay, we've got to do something like, to re- reduce the numbers. And it, it, it has actually slowed down. My own um, research into it is that they have actually reduced the, the, the surgeries for the three, the three ones in question. They are now the knee, the hip and the cataract. Yeah, and the fact that people are borrowing money, I mean, if they're borrowing over €3,000, that, that is leading them into debt. And then, as you mentioned there, phone bills are increasing. And even though people will say, well, why can't they get rid of the landline? Some of these panic alarms that people have, uh, yeah. not all of them, but some of them do rely on a landline. So people have no choice but to pay that landline fee that, that they yeah. have. And if there is an increase, they feel they just have to suck it up. So it is well, an, ex- an extra burden. And many have called on an increase for the uh, old age pension to really, 
reflect on the cost of living in this country. I mean, yeah. you mentioned there yeah. regarding the, the, the contract, just that a lot of people are texting in. Um, and this isn't suitable for everybody, but there is a service whereby people can get the so-called cataract bus. It hasn't run a lot over the last year due to COVID, but it has run from Cork to Belfast, uh, been organised by uh, Danny Healy Ray, uh, Michael Collins in West Cork, and also Councillor Bill Dalton O'Sullivan and others have got behind. I know Michael Minahan in North Cork also ran one and people in Limerick. So that could be an option, Paddy, if there is people on well, to you quite honestly, in that situation. I'm saying, I, I, I'm quite honestly, I'm saying this publicly. I would not recommend that at all. I commend those people. I commend those people, the names you have mentioned there, all with very good, good intentions and send people. But I'm, as I'm speaking to you, I'm thinking of the people that I could go to and say, oh, we can get you on a bus. The people, I'm, the elderly people I'm speaking about, there's years since they were on a bus. And I think to take a, a bus from Cork City up to Belfast, stay overnight, um, uh, get done the following day and back again, that is torture to me. That is torture, torture, torture to me. And a lot of people I, I'm speaking about who wait on these lists were never outside their home. They were never further than Silver Springs Hotel. They were ne- never as far as, far as the, the county hall. And now we're, like, we're talking in terms of Northern, to centre Northern Ireland. I think that the... Um, it doesn't say much for the government if we are reduced to that situation where you have TDs and their own trying to organise something and organise a bus to take away from, to, to, out of the area completely up to Belfast in a bus. A, a person who's already in pain, uh, 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 I speak now to people with the cataract. Again, I don't want to be misinterpreted here or misunderstood. I congratulate those people what they did for the people in the area. But I have to say, the people I'm referring to, they couldn't make it. They wouldn't be strong enough. They wouldn't be able for it. Yeah. They wouldn't want to go up to Belfast and stay in a hotel. They would be nervous. And when I say they would be nervous, you can use your own um, imagination, what I'm trying to refer to there. Inside the hotel, they would be nervous staying in the hotel because knowing that Belfast was a troublesome spot for years, and they would be nervous. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even suggest it to a person. I would still put the pressure on the government and say, come on, look after the people who have made a major contribution to society, rear their families, went out and walked and paid their taxes. And now, in the autumn of their lives, they're expected now to sit back and wait for not weeks, not months, but years and years. It's absolutely appalling. And for those that are running those type of services, you would rather invest services here in Cork and invest into getting in more consultants and more exactly. availability in the hospitals we have here in Cork or even something that can be done like for, for in Belfast but in a private hospital here in Cork. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's it now. Again, um, and I'm saying it for a reason, but the third time I know Deputy Michael Collins and Deputy Moynihan, they're all great people with a genuine interest in the elderly people. And I commend them for this. But I wouldn't recommend that to people at all, the people I'm referring to. So in the matter of older people, and going on a bus would be taught to them. It would be painful to them. It would be a frightening experience for them that they'd be away from home, staying in a hotel in Belfast. I love, Belfast's a lovely place. I've been there lots of times. But then I, I got I got to go into the mind of the older person 
in, in saying this that this is the best we can offer them I think it's, I think it was yeah. absolutely disgraceful No I know and I, I can only imagine that the, the, the people you're speaking with anything like that would be traumatic to them and they're going through enough trauma with their condition yeah. without adding more to it yeah? and I do think we need to look at more, investing more into the hospitals here in Cork for those procedures uh, and I think a lot of people would commend the work that's going on but if we could get that work done here locally it would be better for all involved and again people are texting in giving and telling their own stories it's across all age groups uh, people are finding themselves on a waiting list and it just isn't yeah. acceptable yeah. anymore they seem to be growing uh, for the moment Paddy we'll leave it there but thank you for joining us this morning on the programme highlighting that issue Thank you for having me on. That's always a pleasure. Thanks Thank you. Much. Paddy O'Brien there, who's the advocate for the elderly here in the Cork area and over the concerns that people are having regarding waiting lists for various operations. They continue to grow and no end in sight, it seems at the moment. Anyhow, your views are welcome on what Paddy is saying there. I mean, uh, with all the work that is going on, is there just simply more inve- investment needed here for the Cork hospitals for procedures like this uh, rather than people trying to organise buses to other parts of the country? And if we could organise consultants to perform the procedures here in Cork would that be a better approach for those like Paddy have said that, that are just nervous about travelling uh, your views are welcome 1850-333-103 and you can text or WhatsApp 86 our Garda file is next it's time for this week's Garda file and I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly from Fermoy Garda Station good morning to you John Good morning, John Paul. And we'll start first by something that is still going on right across the county. And it's unfortunate for many car owners. It's the catalytic converters being stolen. Uh, yeah, it seems to be back and back in a big way, John Paul. Um, no, I suppose just to give people an idea of, of the areas that have been targeted and the type of car that has been targeted. I suppose uh, Ned, there was an attempt in Ned um, on the 27th. That's last uh, Tuesday. Now, there was a blue Skoda seen acting suspiciously. I'm afraid I don't have a particular model-type Skoda, um, but blue Skoda seen acting suspiciously. Now, there was a, a Toyota Yaris in that particular driveway. Now, from an area, I'll give you five separate incidents. Yall, the 28th of July. Milford, the 29th of July. Churchtown, the, near Mallow, 29th of July. Effin South which is uh, a part of it, and that's actually in the Charleville area, uh, on the night of the 30th, 31st of July, and Ballyclaw on the 31st of July. Now, in all cases, it was an old model Toyota Yaris that was targeted. And when you consider that the replacement of a catalytic converter could be maybe 650 or 700 uh, euro, I mean, that could be more than the than the price of what the car is worth, uh, particularly when you consider if your car is a 99 or a 00 or a 02. Um, it seems to be the older model of Toyota Yaris. Um, now, they were always popular with those steel catalytic converters, but it seems to be exclusively at the moment um, what seems to be taken. And it's quite likely that um, uh, there is a bit of homework done in advance that they already know the location, say, of, of the cars and then uh, on a particular night come and maybe do two or three in, in the same general area. Um, but as I say, a considerable amount of uh, inconvenience, you, you know, in some cases, as I said, the car may be a write-off as a result. So I just say to people who have that particular make, uh, the older model partic- 
particular Toyota Yaris, just make sure that you have a as safe as you can as as, as regards uh, where you keep them, reverse them into the driveway uh, to the door, and and just as well that if you have a couple of friends in the area, just tip them off that your car might be a target for those people, um, because as I say, it's the precious metals contained within. Um, the catalytic converter that make them a target and the price of that rhodium and palladium has definitely gone through the roof in the last uh, 12 months again you know So just be extra careful and also be extra careful we'll talk about scam phone calls in a while but these are scam callers physically calling to homes and they're looking to see if you want your gutters of your house cleaned Yeah uh, we had one there last week last Wednesday in for my targeted an elderly lady now we believe the vehicle involved was a green-blue Citroen Berlingo van. There was a ladder on the roof. One guy never left uh, the van. He stayed in the van. Two fellas uh, in their early truckies, dressed in black, called to the house and um, uh, tried to do a deal with the lady. Uh, she was, unfortunately, um, was taken in by them and uh, there was a, an agreement made to pay all the jurors to clean out the covers. But they went into the house and uh, it looks like they stolen an envelope with some uh, couple of hundred of pension money in it as well. Now, in conversing with them um, earlier, uh, she got an indication that could, they could be from the Killarney area. Now, we have had scammers in the past, uh, quite a few operating at the Guthring Scam that have been genuinely operating from the Killarney area. So, uh, look, I'd make a general appeal for people, you know, if you have callers on spec calling to do guttering or any odd jobs like that, clear them. Don't let them in. Don't answer the door. Just get rid of them because uh, you could, uh, you're likely a target to be to target to be scammed. And, you know, it seems to be the same thing as well. Elderly, stroke, vulnerable people are being targeted uh, with this scam and it's easy to see the lockdown is over. They're back on the road. And uh, that brings me to another thing and that happened below in Klein uh, where pay safe vouchers. Uh, this individual uh, appears to be uh, he, he appears to be a, what I would describe as a non-national travelling criminal um, uh, called and he basically would have uh, tried to um, get pay safe vouchers over the counter in a supermarket by uh, passing over 250 euros uh, he looked for 300 euros in pay safe vouchers the person working indicated to him, well, you know, you've only 250 euros there. Um, so he passed back out the money to him. Uh, he says, I need to recheck that. Um, and obviously, it is like the three-car trick at that stage. He withdrew, he got his pay safe vouchers, but when he passed in the 300 uh, to her, having counted it out um, in, in, in front of the lady walking there, he deducted 150 from the uh, from, from the money. So he had his 300 in pay safe vouchers and he had the 150 as well. So uh, in, to- in total there he had made 150 from the scam. But it's a scam that, as I said, we believe this particular guy is one of a number of travelling criminals that could be uh, targeting shops throughout the region, you know. So it's for people just to be aware of that. And just to advise their staff that could be happening and just to double check everything before handing over any vouchers over the counter. And something else you want to highlight, John, and this is diesel uh, taken from a tank in a farmyard in Carrick Navarre. That's correct. There was 500 litres of diesel uh, stolen and it was stolen very early in the morning. We're talking about a quarter past six in the morning of uh, the 27th of July last now, between 7 a.m. and 9.15 a.m. up the road in Glenville, 
there was a house that was under construction that was targeted and uh, there was a generator and some tools taken from that. Now, we believe those particular criminals were travelling in a silver uh, vehicle. We don't have any make or model, but we believe there was damage to the front bumper of that car and that there was no front uh, 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 registration plate on the car either. Oh, so that's uh, that, that's kind of unusual that they wouldn't have a, a front reg plate. And if you saw a, a car without a front reg plate, you would be thinking, would first be, of all, that be, it's suspicious. You would be attracted to it. It yeah. may be that they, they hit the ditch at some stage uh, beforehand because uh, I think there was uh, a couple of branches stuck stuck in the, in the bumper as well. It was mentioned, you know, by one of our callers. So again, if you have seen that car or indeed um, the other couple of cars that we gave out there today was that... Uh, blue Skoda from the NAD incident with the catalytic converters and a green-blue Citroen Berlingo van, uh, ladders on the roof that could be doing, uh, uh, attempting to do guttering in the area, you know? Um, the phone calls, John Paul... Yeah, we've been inundated with calls over the last number of months and again uh, this week and the calls, John, they're from numbers, they're very similar to your own numbers. The last two or three digits are different, but then exactly. it, it's a scam. Exactly. Uh, I've had four of myself over the last two days. Uh, again, uh, exactly as you describe it, the, the you know, oh, it's a, oh, in my case, uh, no, it's six number, um, but the first four, uh, the first four digits were exactly my own, uh, what's in my own number, and the last three were the last three were different. You answer the call, and it's the, the usual recorded number again, you know. So um, they, they, it's it's a different version of the spoof calling. So whatever system they're doing, they're able to spoof. Uh, the first part of your number uh, and just change the, the, the change the last three digits and you see it's making it more likely that you'll answer a number because you'll think yeah in in my case it's a work number so it, it, it would appear to be maybe somebody ringing from Angada Shikana you know so um, in, in people with work phones they might be all the uh, generic number the first three or four digits um, yeah, and you're right. So the work phones are the ones. Our work phone here for for this show is ringing constantly with the scam calls, and you, you don't know who you're ringing out. You're ringing for interviews. You're ringing people to confirm something. So you're answering every call that comes absolutely. in because they're not saved uh, on the phone. So yeah, a lot absolutely. of people with work phones are getting caught as well with this. Yeah. So for people just to bear in mind, you know, the scams are coming all shapes and sizes. They're coming to your front door. You know, they're coming to shops and they're coming virtually then over your PC and uh, to your phone. So p- people just have to be a lot more aware uh, of all of this happen- yeah. happening at the moment. You know? a, lot, a lot more alert, unfortunately. John, for the moment, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, that is Sergeant John Kelly from Fermoy Garda Station with this week's Garda File. Good afternoon to you. Hope we find you well. It's Cork today with John Paul McNamara in for Patricia this week until one. And Nick Richards along from one to four playing Cork's Greatest Hits. Martina driving you home from four this afternoon. And your comments are welcome. A number of people reacting to our conversation earlier regarding electric cars. I'll get to those comments shortly. Shortly. Your views are welcome. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking those comments. You can always text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But on electric cars, we discussed earlier, and this discussion was with Brian Cook of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry, and people have mixed views on electric cars. A lot of people just feel that it's too soon for them. They're not confident on the infrastructure that is in this country at the moment when it comes to charging their cars and the problems they have had about 
with getting a charge point in their housing estate, apartment block or even their own home, even though those uh, we've heard from who have their own driveway and maybe live uh, in a not in a housing estate, but if they do live in a housing estate and they have their own driveway, it's not too bad. But those who live maybe in more rural areas and have larger areas around their house, they seem to have less problems. But it's those living in estates whereby the parking space is a walk away from the front door, not directly outside your front door. Uh, they're the people that are having a lot of problems when it comes to uh, the electric cars and the charging points on this. Anyhow, on the emissions aspect, first of all, uh, this person on text says, Hi, John Paul, I recently tested my 191 diesel van regarding emissions and they were slightly above zero. So questioning the point then of electric cars, uh, Billy in Bandon says, We have people travelling to the moon, so why can't we have a device in the car that will charge its own battery as it travels along the road? Why can't they have a solar panel on the roof? It is all a scam, feels Billy, to get more taxes from the people who can't afford to pay, says Billy in Bandon. And Eileen, as we're speaking about electric cars, says uh, we're all encouraged to go electric in this country, but electric scooters are out on the market. And Eileen says they're going very fast. Young people are using them in Bandon Town. Uh, The other day she saw a young man on the road going against the traffic. No regard for safety at all, says Eileen. And the same rules of the road should apply to those electric scooters. Uh, What are people's views on that? Electric scooters, I have seen them. There's a massive increase in them across uh, Cork City and indeed in county towns and elsewhere as well. But uh, you would notice them a lot more on the roads and on footpaths. Uh, Your views? on that. I mean Eileen's example from Bandon that she saw one going against the traffic and she feels if people are using electric scooters that they should be using the same rules of the road as motorists. If you welcome on that, if you have come across those electric scooters, you do see them that they are becoming, becoming very popular I suppose in some areas where you have very wide footpaths, uh, you don't take any notice of them but in areas whereby there's a narrow footpath or they're on the main roads uh, that is a safety concern uh, says Eileen and Bandon. Uh, on the waiting list we spoke earlier to Paddy O'Brien and this is over concerns he has and others have on the operation waiting list which continued to grow not just for the elderly but for all people all age groups here uh, across the country not only in Cork but on that he made the point when we were discussing the cataract delays for operations uh, that there are a number of buses that are going from Cork to Belfast, organised by TDs, various TDs in the area of Cork and Limerick and Kerry. Uh, On that, Paddy felt that it wasn't right, it should not be happening and while he doesn't disregard what has been done and thinks it's fabulous, a lot of people he knows just simply can't travel to Belfast and they would feel that journey on a bus as torture. Uh, Well on this, uh, here is the text on WhatsApp because I was kind of saying should they now look and focus the thoughts on bringing consultants or expanding the service in private hospitals in Cork, uh, bring something in place as the situation is just getting out of control. The, the lists are growing and growing uh, from what Paddy's hearing and what we're hearing now this morning uh, on this. The WhatsApp are saying, why can't they bring down those Belfast surgeons to the south of Ireland? Uh, those surgeons in Belfast, they work on Saturday and they work on Sundays. Uh, what hours do the cataract surgeons here uh, work in the Cork area? And could that be a possibility? Could they reverse the rules and could those surgeons come and use facilities that are here in the south of Ireland? Says that person on WhatsApp. While Christine is in Castle Magner, 
Uh, Christine had a detached retina a few years ago. Now she went to the South Infirmary and had an operation to fix it. Uh, then when she was there, they found she had a membrane at the back of her eyelid. She was being seen every three months then, but that all stopped due to COVID. The optician two months ago said she needed to be seen urgently and she was given a date for the 23rd of April 2023. So two years away uh, when she was told she would need to be seen urgently. Anyhow, she knows knows herself at this stage uh, she would now have to go private. It's very awkward as everybody at the moment with this condition she goes many are elderly and not well and not able to travel so she will be travelling into the city but also the idea of Belfast I'm sure would not appeal to Christine but also for others maybe in her situation but she will now herself have to go private on this but it is she says very awkward and uh, a lot of people and a lot of elderly people will be not well enough to travel uh, and that's Christine's experience but imagine that told by your optician that you uh, need to be seen urgently to deal with this situation uh, on her eye uh, and the date she's given then is in 2023. Uh, certainly not urgent in the health uh, service eyes in our country. Uh, thank you for your call and hopefully, uh, Christine, things do work out for you and that you were able to go private and, and that you will have a, a better luck privately and that hopefully they'll be able to sort the condition there in your eye. We wish you the very best Christine in Castle Magner and here's a situation that Mary finds herself in and I think others could be in the same situation because we had a call earlier as well or sorry later yesterday evening on this uh, but Mary sums it up in one she has a problem renewing her public services card online it expires tomorrow but she's wondering is there any listeners out there that can help her because she is trying to log in using my gov ID but it won't let her continue it keeps going back to the page and Eileen was on to us yesterday afternoon as well similar situation trying to log in to check issues to do with her welfare and when she types in her details she has the correct password she has the correct email but it's just won't let her continue on. It goes back to the same page. So anybody who is trying to use the MyGov ID system, uh, either if you're just checking your own welfare services or you want to renew, like Mary is, her public services card online, uh, is there a problem? We will check in with the department, uh, figure out which department deals with that now. There's so many of them uh, and they're really good for pushing around the uh, jobs to various departments. But hopefully someone will uh, tell us what exactly is happening there because it seems they're IT problems maybe that when you put in your details for the MyGov ID system and you log on to that website it just brings you back and more or less is telling you you're inputting your details wrong but I, I think from the calls we're getting not everybody can be wrong uh, we'll see if anybody else is in that situation have you had the same problem and we'll check in with the department on that and staying with a similar situation but this is to do with the digital COVID search and this is Fee who's contacted us because Fee is a nurse in one of the hospitals in Cork City and she says I just want to highlight how upsetting it is that as yet I and other health colleagues have not received our COVID certificate. I was vaccinated back in January. I imagine there must be more in my situation. When I went to check the government portal, it states to contact in case any detail is missing. I am spending hours daily on the phone trying to get through to the helpline. It's a nightmare. I am on annual leave and my days are constantly just spent trying to get through to the helpline. Currently, I'm well over two hours on the phone at the moment uh, says Fee oh Lord and Fee I can tell you Dee was on to us during the week she needed uh, a search because she had to go travel uh, and visit a sick relative 
and it took her over an hour and a half eventually she got through but it was well over an hour and a half before she spoke to a person the good news was when she spoke to someone uh, the issue was sorted for her uh, so hopefully you have the same experience if you eventually get through but on that uh, digital Covid uh, start helpline for fee over two hours on the phone and it is upsetting when you're working in the frontline services in our hospitals and you're the ones who are, are dealing every day with cases coming in and I'm sure over the last year would have dealt with people who were unwell due to COVID and now you find yourselves not able to get that search. Uh, very upsetting and hopefully you get some luck on that. You're not the only one. I, we do and we are aware of others who are in a similar situation Fiend, and do work in hospitals right across the county and in the city as well who are finding themselves in the very, very same situation as you. Uh, hopefully, someone does answer the phone and you do get sorted. So keep us up to date uh, fee on that situation for you. But a bit of a nightmare, right? Uh, and especially a nightmare when you're working within the health service. And on scam calls that we spoke about on our Garda file before uh, midday, and the amount of scam calls that are coming through and the latest is the number that rings is very like your own number just the last two or three digits are different and uh, people that may be getting caught then with these scam calls are those who have work phones whereby you won't have the number saved because you're ringing various people for various work details or jobs and they're the ones that are getting caught now uh, with these scam calls but on that a texter here says when you accept the call do not speak says this person uh, these calls are automated and are activated by your voice so unless you speak the c- scam call will not proceed they might call again but it will not continue from that person's experience when they answer the phone said nothing uh, you might get another call but do the same thing and the scam calls just did not continue so that's an idea if you are being harassed by these scam calls on your personal phone then if you're a worker with a work phone it's a bit tough to do that because you're getting numbers or getting calls from all various numbers you don't know and you kind of have to answer the phone and say hello or say your company name Uh, so it's a bit tougher on the work phones but on a personal phone if you do receive a call from a number that's like your own with the last few digits different you could try similar on a work phone or you just don't know the number Uh, you, you could well not speak just answer the phone and say nothing and it's work for that person because seemingly these uh, messages we get they're activated by your voice this person feels and they stop if you they might get another few calls but if you again don't speak uh, for this person the calls did not continue so hopefully uh, that's one way around it I'm sure they'll find other ways though uh, as they always do those scam artists thank you for that tip uh, on the airport you would have heard Barry mentioning there on the news about Ryanair and uh, they have said they are investing in Shannon Airport Mick in Waterfall uh, picking up on this and he says Ryanair have eight more routes now out of Shannon it is a major disruption for the people of Cork who now have to travel to Dublin or Shannon to avail of those flights says Mick in Waterfall uh, well on that obviously there will be flights by Ryanair out of Cork Airport uh, in the not too distant future once they finish what they are doing with the runway there but they will have flights uh, from Cork Airport with Ryanair again but this investment uh, is being announced today and basically what this is uh, Ryanair have said they are pumping in 84 million euro huge amount of money into Shannon Airport and they are adding those eight new routes Mick spoke about it's all part of the airline's recovery after the pandemic and the majority of the new services that they will run in the winter months but the airline Ryanair is calling on the government to implement the recommendations of the Aviation Task Force and it says its pre-pandemic service hasn't returned to Cork Airport and Ryanair said the reason for that is due to lack of incentives Uh, but they have invested that amount 
amount of money in Shannon Airport this morning coming out of Micken Waterfall saying uh, for Cork people it's it's a disruption uh, people having to travel to Dublin or Shannon to avail of flights well there will be flights again uh, by Ryanair out of Cork Airport um, but yeah the investment I can see where you're coming from Mick seeing that amount of investment into Shannon Airport uh, Mick feels it is going to cause disruption for some people anyhow in the uh, Cork area having to travel uh, thank you for your call Mick and Waterfall to 1850 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 the same number now for your pet questions because our vet on the show Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket she will join us very shortly answering all your pet questions also uh, we're going to hear uh, from our Olympians uh, we did hear earlier on the week from our Olympians from Skibbereen we're going to give a mention to all those still competing from the Cork area and our Dublin reporter because uh, boxer Kelly Harrington could be in line to pick up gold for Ireland on Sunday morning as she will fight for gold in the women's lightweight and we'll hear from her family as our reporter Crossy who is based in Dublin uh, decided to pay a visit to the family's home we'll hear uh, what happened very shortly on that and also give a mention to so many other of our athletes here in Cork who are still competing and have uh, will be over the next few days in the Olympics in Tokyo all of that to come between now and one The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do Cadolary Community Development they will hold their weekly lotto draw that's going ahead this afternoon at 4 o'clock in the local community office with this week's jackpot 2,700 euros and Cork McSherry Development Association they are holding their drive-in bingo that's going ahead this evening at 7 o'clock fields in the field that is it's going to be signposted from the village where it's going to be held so if you're unsure go along to Cork McSherry Village you'll see the signpost for the field it gets underway at 7 o'clock and gates will open at 6 30pm with no booking required and Castletown Bear Development Association will hold their drive-in bingo and that's going ahead tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock in the Bearer Coast Hotel car park this week's jackpot is €1,100 and the McOregan Memorial Motorcycle Run in aid of Painter House that will be held on this coming Saturday they will leave Bottevent at 12.30 you can sign in and you can do that at the Butterfin Soccer Club from 11am and donations are also welcome through their iDonate page and Age Friendly Bandon they will hold a drive-in bingo this coming Sunday it's starting at 3 o'clock at the Bandon Marsh and books are available locally in Bandon at the St Michael Centre O'Farrell's Hickey's and O'Donovan Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and on that listener who was inquiring about the public services card and could not log in uh, to her government ID uh, website with her government ID details, her email and her password. A number of people are in the same situation. So there must be some technical glitch with that website uh, for those who have the government ID uh, password and email and you use that service to check your various welfare claims or whatever uh, you could check with that service. People can't log in. Um, so we'll have to check that with the department and, and why that is. There could be a technical a glitch but for the person who was asking because they need to renew their public services card a listener in Mill Street has said with regards to that I um, rang the social welfare office in Newmarket because my card had expired I rang them yesterday a lovely lady uh, gave me my PPS number and details I gave them all my details and then she said no problem uh, they will send the new one out uh, that because it can't be done online is what that Mill Street listener was told so maybe contact your local uh, social welfare office and see if they can help you 
you if you are having no luck online maybe uh, the social welfare office in your area can help you like that a lady in Mill Street has with the office in Newmarket and Eileen is asking, is there any way of finding out from both COVID cases each day and hospital admissions as to the impact that the vaccine is having on the infection and breaking through the infection? I.e. how many people had AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna and the J&J Janssen vaccine? Is the information should be easy to collate and confirm the efficiency of each vaccine, says Eileen. That information is there on the... I think it's the government website or the HSE website. One of those anyway has that information. Uh, it's done to where we used to get the details for each local area. Kind of the COVID portal, I think it was called. You can access that. I'm sure either on government.ie or gov.ie or the HSE website. And you have to do a bit of clicking and searching, but the details are there on how many people have taken up the vaccine offer and how many people, uh, what different type of vaccines have been given out. Um, the efficiency, I'm not too sure if, if they go through the efficiency of each vaccine as in what who has got what vaccine and if they've got COVID or what they have got I don't know it doesn't go into that much detail uh, but what it does do and if you look at the overall figures it shows that uh, for the majority of people who got the vaccine you'll see the numbers uh, those who are being admitted to the hospital most of those have not received the vaccine or the younger cohort who haven't been able to receive a vaccine and then there's people who just don't want to receive the vaccine and everybody's it's, it's an option everybody's entitled to do what they want to do uh, but going on the numbers that we're getting I mean I, when we were covering this back in I think it was March when we visited the uh, vaccination centre in Mallow at that stage they had been vaccinating those in nursing homes and the deaths in nursing homes had reduced and many of those were done with AstraZeneca so you know proved that things were working uh, when it came to the vaccines as the numbers were reducing um, so if you want to dig into those websites Websites, you, you'll be able to find out because they do have all that information on those websites the same sites it's called the COVID portal and you can access that through gov.ie HSE websites and that will also give you the breakdown in the local areas where uh, by you can see what your the, the rates are and the COVID cases are in local areas across Cork that we used to cover when we were in the height of the pandemic then so hopefully that helps you Eileen uh, that information should be there Michael's in the Skibbereen Michael wants to know if there's a bus from Wilton to Skibbereen Michael there is you can check the Bus Aaron website Ring Bus Aaron and West Cork Connect are also there uh, both of those do travel via Wilton and you'd have to check out with Bus Aaron or West Cork Connect for their times but both those services do uh, travel from Wilton to Skibbereen and all areas of West Cork that is Bus Aaron and West Cork Connect and Mike is in Yall. His NCT is due on Monday. Now, his driver's licence is due for renewal, but he has an extension up to September. Will that be OK for the NCT? Uh, well, many driving licences uh, have been given an extra extension due to what was going on. So you should be OK, Mike. Um, the NCT, uh, they will they do look at your licence, but I can't see that being an issue as they should be aware uh, that many driving licences have been given a 10-month extension. Um, I don't know what date or when your licence was due to be out. Uh, but if if it is going on the timelines that was given out and I, I presume going on your call that it's genuine your licence is is just been extended for 10 months from the dates that were given by the government you should be okay there in that context Thomas in Bantry um, on the issue of the cataracts he says the theatre in Bantry Hospital would be ideal for doing cataract operations the theatre is lying practically idle at the moment so why can't they make use of hospitals like Bantry and Mallow instead of having people travelling elsewhere in the country or paying out huge sums of money uh, to access uh, the operation in private hospitals good point Tom I'm sure a lot of people 
people would agree with that. And John was in the welfare office as well in Newmarket. Uh, his uh, public services card was out of date for the listener that contacted us earlier. This was Mary. Uh, he was promised a new one in the post in the last 10 days it hasn't arrived yet uh, but you don't have to go online to renew your card so for Mary that contacted us if you want to again get onto your local social welfare office hopefully uh, they will help you and I'm sure John your card will arrive in the post shortly now uh, we've had some great success uh, in Tokyo when it comes to the Olympics you would have heard on the show on Tuesday our rowers from Skibbereen that was Paula Donovan and Fintan McCarthy also Emily Hagerty and the success there we're having more success with boxing but I want to give a mention uh, to Austin O'Connor uh, from the Mallow area he received plaudits for his exploits in the equestrian event in the competition uh, also from because Austin himself he was named as a reserve originally so he didn't think he'd, he'd actually find himself on the team but he did uh, find himself on the team because uh, Cahill Daniels uh, was uh, he had to pull out uh, so Austin uh, stepped in there and it's his third Olympics so we send congrats to Austin also Michelle Finn who's from Castle Magner it's uh, her second Olympic Games isn't it and she's running in the 3000 metre steeplechase and she's had a time of 9.36 in which over there there's been a high temperature so in sweltering conditions so well done to her um, it did leave her short of qualification time for the semi-final but well done to Michelle Finn from Castle Magner and also in Tokyo uh, from Castle Magner is Shane Sweetnam and he is involved in the show jumping competition and he's due to show jump there in Tokyo on Friday and we mentioned earlier because all the gang in uh, Connolly Avenue and Mallow were on to wish Alex Wright all the best Uh, Alex is from London uh, but he goes in the 50k race walk and that is going ahead I think it's tomorrow night uh, that's going ahead or it's tonight it's actually tonight so tonight that's going ahead and of course he is training with Rob Heffernan who is well known for race walking so best of luck to Alex Wright living in Mallow all the gang in Connolly Avenue wishing you well and that race going ahead tonight and today uh, overnight boxer Kelly Harrington from Dublin uh, she will now fight the women's lightweight gold on Sunday morning at the Olympics this is because she's booked a place into the final with a split decision victory overnight she's already guaranteed a silver hopefully we can get another gold for Ireland so our Dublin reporter decided uh, this is Crossy he decided to go off and pay a visit to Portland Row in the heart of Dublin City this morning and he caught up with Kelly Harrington dad Christy and her brother Joel and he first asked them outside their home how they both were feeling after Kelly's fight Unbelievable numb I'd say numb it's probably the best way to describe it Um, after years and years and years of graft and being happy being upset being frustrated um, being motivated being unmotivated everything in between she's got where she deserves to be and she's got where she should be Um, so I think that's probably I think with that, I'd probably echo that. That's the nicest part of it, is that we've seen all what Kelly's had to do to get where she is and the fight she's had outside of the ring. Um, and uh, that's probably the best part of it, you know. It's, it's just that it makes a sweet... This is Kelly Town now. No yeah, yeah! yeah. Kelly Town. <laughs> that's it. Like the it's community. Jesus. They're brilliant. They are, they are the champions. I'm telling you now, they are the champions. And as, as like Christy Doignan says, crazy words. And as a DAC, can you try and explain to everyone listening this morning, you know, seeing your daughter, like, Jesus, we were in tears and work watching it ourselves. She knew gave us all heart attacks. It's just, we knew she was going to win it. But still, you did the tension and you just, the movement and you it's, it's, all right, it, it, it's too much to handle. It's, it's, we, we never dreamed that this would come on us. 
John, we, we, we knew Kelly would do well at the Olympics and all that. We didn't see this side hitting us. Have you been speaking to her yet? We spoke to her a couple of days ago. Yeah, we, we get to one of the world, just let her settle for a yeah, while. We haven't spoken about this, this morning. Is, this is special, special. So we're leaving her, just... And we, we probably get a five-minute window. That's it. That's it. She, she, Kelly's... Like, there'll be no emotion now from Kelly. She's ice, and she goes back, rests, has a quick chat with our coaches about how did you think we did in that fight, and have a chat yeah. about the fight on Sunday. Man, and then she'll rest tonight and rest up, and she's just ice. Um, that's it. She's in recovery mode and on to the next fight. That's that. It's not a doubt. Yeah, she she won't. She actually won't enjoy this. She won't enjoy it. Won't she? Not? She just. No, well, she, she's straight back into her full field now. Yeah. To get her energy back up again, because they have to weigh in for every fight, so you have to keep your weight proper, proper, proper. So this is the only time you get to eat to get your energy up, and then you have to make sure your weight. So it's. it's how are you yeah. guys keeping can I ask like it must be mad for you you know she's got her head in the game you know the zone and then you're dealing with all this like it's so yeah, she has those, right, that's what I'm saying this is we 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 didn't see this coming we, we see Kelly doing what course we did what, what's happened with the media and we just didn't see this coming you know? she's our head in the game yeah, and we yeah. are bleeding head all over the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huge excitement there in the heart of Dublin city centre this morning in Portman Road. That was our Dublin reporter, Crossy, who caught up with the family of Kelly Harrington, who, she, of course, on Sunday morning, she will fight for the women's lightweight gold at the Olympics in Tokyo. And there were her dad, Christy, and brother Joel, all excited and just overwhelmed at the response from people, not only in Dublin, but across the country. So uh, doing OK, we are here in Ireland when it comes to the Olympics. So we could have a third gold, our second gold even, uh, at the Olympics um, and we are as a small nation doing quite well in Tokyo and just so much respect for all our Olympians regardless if they're coming home with or without medals the effort they have put in and indeed the representation they have given Ireland is just fantastic so well done to all right across the Cork area we're mentioning across the week as many as we can but that's the latest big news when it comes to the Irish in the Tokyo and we'll be all eyes on Sunday morning to see if we can get that gold for Kelly Harrington the best of luck to her and the best of luck to the others I mentioned there as well tonight of course um, from London but living in Mallow Alex Wright in the 50k race walk and to all the others we gave a mention to earlier as well the very best of luck Across Cork City and County this is Cork Today on C103 and if you are travelling on the road between Cork and Mallow, there is tailbacks between Blarney and the Commons Inn inbound. This is due to roadworks. The road is down to one lane. I expect delays if you're travelling in that direction. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Groups, joins us as usual on a Thursday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And That's this rainy good. day, retreated inside. It is indeed, yeah. It's going to continue that way, thunderstorms. So as you mentioned that rainy day, good chance to remind people to keep their dogs in because we always get calls the day after a thunderstorm uh, an activity of thunder that dogs have gone missing or gone running around. So just uh, take note of that if you have a, a dog out and about today. And Jane, we'll get straight into the pet questions because we've a lot of them in. And first of all, this is from John in Donrell. John has a black Labrador, uh, 10 months old now this labrador she's beginning to eat small stones is there a reason for this is she lacking something or why would she be getting into this habit 
Yeah, this is a really interesting one. So generally when um, dogs or, or cats even sometimes start eating small objects, um, I suppose the natural thing for us to wonder is, is there a deficiency in their diet? Is there something they're lacking? And actually, the interesting thing is that's actually really rare, really, really rare. A lot more of the time, it's the fact that they're a little bit bored, want something to play with, or it could even just be habit. Um, stones are a particularly dangerous one, particularly in dogs. We see stone eaters very frequently. Sometimes they'll get away with it for years, never have a blockage or never have a stone cause a problem. Um, but one big stone or the stone that's a little bit too sharp or the wrong shape can cause catastrophic damage to the, the stomach and the intestines as it passes through on its way to the other side. And sometimes it can cause fatal blockages. So it's really important to try and deter them from that behavior can actually cause a, lot, cause a lot of problems with their teeth as well because it's very abrasive eating stones so a lot of them will chew them will actually see that they've worn down their teeth to little nubs sometimes um, and they can be very very painful because they're exposing the the sensitive uh, inside of the tooth and the nerves and the blood vessels there so it's it's really really bad from a danger point of view as regards eating and obstructing the the gastrointestinal tract but also for the teeth try and give your dog something to distract them so if there's particular times of the day where they'll eat stones or particular locations, try and avoid those because the sooner in this that you can break the habit, the better, because once the habit becomes established, it's a lot more trickier to, to get out of that habit. Um, and distraction works wonders. So give them something to distract them, a safe toy, something like a Kong or a stuffable toy, um, or even something if it's appropriate for a dog, playing ball or engaging in training can really stimulate their brain mentally in the same way that let's say hunting and finding and eating chewing stones would. So it's really just moving them onto something that's a bit of a safer alternative, but also providing kind of behavioral enrichment for them because most of the time this will happen because of boredom, not because they're lacking in something if they're otherwise healthy. So it's really important to try and give them a kind of a mentally fulfilling life. So just add a bit more interest with more walks, more play and more safe toys. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, John and Donrell. Helen is in Glanworth. She has an 11 year old dog. It's a Bichon Freeze. Now, the dog, she's gone very unsteady on her back legs and she's going off her food. Now, what would be the matter with her? asks Helen. Okay, unfortunately, there's a number of things that could be a problem here. It could be something as simple as a little bit of old age and stiffness, perhaps a little bit of arthritis. They can become quite weak and wobbly on their back legs. Or it could be um, something far more kind of a sudden onset right up to spinal problems or even problems like a slipped disc, similar to we would have in humans. There's a number of things that could be going on here, but it's a change for your pet. They're usually not this wobbly. And certainly if they're going off their food, there must be a degree of disorientation or discomfort involved. Either way, regardless of the underlying cause, it's really important that we get to the bottom of it just so your pet's quality of life can be maintained and their pain can be controlled if there is pain there to be controlled. So this is one I definitely wouldn't hesitate to visit your vet about because they'll need to do a full physical exam. They might need to go a little bit further and potentially do some imaging, whether that be x-rays or an MRI, depending on what they find. But it is really important to flag it with your vet so that they can get your pet the attention they need. And Mary is in Bantry. She has a 10-year-old Shih Tzu. Now, the dog has a mild heart complaint. It is on heart tablets. But when she drinks water, she drinks it very quick and gets a real croaky cough after that. Now, the dog is also overweight. Uh, so Mary has concerns uh, over the, first of all, the croaky cough, but also uh, as she is on heart tablets and she has a heart complaint. 
Okay, this is actually a really common one. I suppose this is something I see as my, my bread and butter every day because I suppose by, by trade, I'm a veterinary cardiologist. So predominantly I deal with heart and lung disease in pets, dogs and cats. Um, a cough associated with heart problems can be for a number of reasons. Sometimes it can be from fluid buildup, but more commonly it can be as the heart enlarges within the chest. It can put pressure on the other structures within the chest, whether that be the windpipe um, or, or kind of anything within the center of the chest. And sometimes that can cause irritation and produce a cough. But it's really important just because your heart dog is on heart tablets not to assume that the cough is just from that. So your vet will be able to give them a really good check over and assess the upper areas as well um, and assess how reactive their upper windpipe is. So it might be something that when they're drinking and if it just happens when they're drinking, it might be something to do with the swallow reflex and how irritable their upper airways are. Um, or even if they might be having a little bit of water go down the wrong way. So sometimes we can have problems with the mechanism that makes swallowing safe. So I think this is one that I would definitely flag with your vet. Um, patients that are on heart tablets for ongoing heart conditions usually require really regular rechecks and regular rescans of their heart to make sure that everything is ticking over really nicely. So this is a change that at one of those rechecks I would flag with your vet because it may be due to the heart and it might be that things might be mod might require modification as regards the medication, but it could be something separate that might need dealing with in a separate way. So really well done on recognising it, but let your vet know. Okay, and something similar to do with uh, eating and drinking. This is a texter who says, I have a pup. Now, my pup, he is a big pup, but he gets hiccups after eating and drinking. Now, he's always had a very bad appetite, but any idea or why he would get hiccups like this after any time he eats or drinks? Okay, this is a little bit more of an unusual one. So if it is true hiccups, and that's where our diaphragm, so the, the membrane that separates our chest from our belly, gets really irritable and it kind of goes into spasm. Now, this is quite common in humans, but far, far less common in dogs and really exceptionally uncommon in cats. Um, it can happen sometimes if your dog just has a little bit of an irritable diaphragm. Um, sometimes it can happen with changes in the blood chemicals that make um, spasms in this, in this muscle a little bit more common. And sometimes it can just happen as a one-off and it's something and nothing. I think the really important thing here is that I don't want, let's say, to do your little dog a, disser a disservice by mistaking hiccups for maybe um, the vomiting impulse. So in dogs and cats, the vomiting impulse, so the retching kind of impulse, can actually look really, really similar to hip hiccups or what we would expect hiccups to look like in humans. Um, so this little dog may need a workup to make sure that it hasn't got a stomach or a food pipe problem, particularly if it's a young dog. Um, just to make sure that it, it might just be that he has an upset tummy or his food mightn't be agreeing with him. But just to rule out the more serious problems that can occur in puppies where they're born with maybe things that may not be quite so normal inside and can sometimes prevent them from digesting things normally. So this is one that I would say take a video the next time you see an episode so that you can show it to your vet. We love seeing vet videos in the veterinary clinic because a lot of the time when pets visit us, there's lots of adrenaline running through the system. They don't generally show us the behaviors that are problematic at home. So take a video the next time it happens so that when you visit your vet for a checkup appointment, you can show it to them and they'll see exactly what's going on. So you have first-hand experience then of what you're dealing with when you see it in reality. Yeah. Exactly. And it's really helpful because sometimes seeing it in the flesh is the only way to really know exactly what the pattern looks yeah. like. And I think it takes a trained eye. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, Jane, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us. And mind yourself with the thunder and rain there on Mill Street. And we'll chat to you next week. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Well, thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.